0: All right. Welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. You're here with yours truly, co-host Andrew Lindroth. As my other co-host, my father is currently on vacation. He's catching some NHL games in Las Vegas as well as Vancouver. So he'll be out traveling for this next week. So we wish him all the best. But the show does go on and I'm excited to have with us special guest today, uh, goalie Chris Nell. So Chris grew up in Wisconsin, and played for his high school team, uh, the Notre Dame Academy. From there, Chris went on to play in the competitive USHL and suited up for the Chicago Steel from 2012 to 2014. He eventually committed to Bowling Green State and played for the university team from 2014 till 2017, and later signed his first pro deal in the AHL with the Hartford Wolfpack right at the end of his junior year of university. Uh, Chris's pro career went off uh, from there and played with various teams, spanning across the ECHL and AHL, later retiring in 2022. After retiring, he immediately became involved with coaching as well as goaltending coaching and is currently pulling some triple duty, which we'll talk about later with the Green Bay Gamblers of the USHL and assistant coach uh, over at Marion University. So without further ado, I know that was a mouthful, but Chris, thank you for joining me today. How are you?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Good, good. Starting to get uh, in the swing of things with the cold weather, so (laughs) yeah. Yeah
0: yeah so Chris let's start from the beginning so growing up you played for your high school team in Wisconsin later focused the next two years of your development in the USHL with the Chicago Steel so kind of take me through that time period and how you ended up uh, uh with Chicago Steel at U- USHL
1: yeah so I mean I kind of I kind of did the the high school route um and kind of played the before and after uh, I grew up obviously in Green Bay played for the junior gamblers uh kind of before the high school part of it and then uh was fortunate enough, my, my sophomore year to make team Wisconsin and, and played way uh, before and after my high school season with that. and um, my u 16 year I kind of I kind of kind of took off in the in the AAA realm and um, eventually went uh, got accepted, and went to the uh, USHL combine and it was kind of uh, all from there. Uh, I had uh, I actually ended up playing for the coach who drafted me in Chicago at that combine. I uh, had a really good weekend kind of played the right hockey at the right time. And uh, they ended up deciding that uh, I was a six overall pick. I think, you know, after looking back, uh, some of the kids on my team looked at some of the, the guys drafted after me and might've went a little too high, but at the time, that's kind of where they took me. And um, yeah, so I, that was, I played my junior year uh, on the 18 team for team Wisconsin in my high school. And um, you know, after getting drafted that high and talking with, you know, my goal coach and everybody involved uh, we thought it was the best decision in my development path to, to move on and and play, uh, play with the steel, uh, played with them my one year, um, my senior year and then one year out. And, uh, yeah, I loved it. I think I, you know, I think a lot of what junior hockey is, is, is the experience. And, and a lot of times I think, um, a lot of people that go unnoticed in that process is the bill of coordinators. And, and the billet families and i was lucky enough to to get put with a great family and i had an unbelievable experience uh there yeah so that was kind of the high school part of my my career
0: so were you uh were you always a goalie did you ever play uh anything else growing up like any other positions then you fell into goalie how did that work out
1: yeah so funny enough like i I played one year obviously your first year mites, no one's ever a goalie uh full time like you kind of just uh rotated and and I and it kind of happened to be my rotation for for a game I loved it I, I did well and I really wanted to play and and uh, that year I ended up playing all the tournaments and like the state tournament and we did well in all those and um to be honest I was on the might c team my first year I wasn't a very good skater I was I was tall uh, I kind of grew fairly quick comparative to everyone else and um but I you know I was I was a lot better goalie so the next year when I tried out um, I just decided to be goalie and it jumped me up to the A-team so I was like oh well okay well I guess it looks like I'm a goalie so <laughs> awesome. no but I, I fell in love with it that first year and I kind of never looked back I mean there was definitely times throughout my youth career that you know I skated out and and you know anytime I was I was skating out in the pond or free skate I would I'd play forward and, and get my kind of my taste of scoring then but I, I just kind of fell in love with the position early on and I and it kind of caught my, you know, just just my love for it. I think, I, I don't know, can't, I can't pinpoint exactly what it was, but I think it just the position was calling to me early and I just stuck with it.
0: I always think, man, like the goalies, when they first realized, man, this is where what I really want to do. Like, obviously you sat there and realized, well, I have no fear with the pucks coming, you know, a million miles an hour towards my face and my body and these guys crashing into me, you know. So I guess if I have no fear of that, I'm good to go. Might as well be a goalie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly, and I and I think it it I think something that too is like you're always on the ice, right? You're always involved, whether you're just standing there watching the play or it's coming at you. So I think it was just um, I don't know the, the competitive nature of like it's it's you, you know, you can either be the hero or the villain as a goalie, right? Like there's really no there's really no medium ground on that. Like you're either saving the day or everyone's looking at you like what the heck is he doing? So I think uh, that was part of it too, like just being being able to be in that competitive nature of like it's kind of you versus that puck and like you versus the you know the team and obviously it's it's your team versus their team but there's kind of like that individualized um like in baseball with the pitchers like it's it's kind of your, your own you're in you're in your own little world back there and I think that kind of like as I got older I think that was really what kept me motivated and in, in goaltending was just that the kind of the fun game game in within the game, Um, As a goalie, just the mental side of things and obviously hockey in general for everybody's mental, but especially for goalies. So I think that was the the cool part about, you know, the competitive nature of goaltending. It's awesome. So
0: obviously you later commit to Bowling Green uh, for the next three years of your career. So I know that you had played in the USHL for a few years, but what led to your decision to go, uh, you know, the collegiate route versus um, I don't know what other uh, options you may have uh, been available to you, like any Canadian junior leagues. I didn't know if there's any pressure for you to do that. What kind of led to that decision?
1: Yeah, so I actually was was getting some interest from London um, in the OHL. Um, I can't remember what year exactly it was, but um, they had obviously some had someone do their research on me, and they wanted me to come out uh, to their rookie camp, and then eventually their main camp, and then eventually just to come and try to be on the team. Um, I think I think for me, just being from Green Bay, Wisconsin, like there's not, you know, it, there's definitely hockey, and there's a lot of hockey. Um, but I, I grew up in a family that I was really the first generation hockey player. Like there wasn't anyone in my extended family, um, you know, my immediate family that, that played hockey. My dad played like junior college somewhere in Wisconsin, not, nowhere big, but like it was uh, it was definitely like a basketball, a basketball household. Like he loved basketball. He was pushing me to be basketball. Uh, they, they actually tried to get me to switch. Uh, I was kind of at a point where I had to pick triple hockey or, or like the AAU of basketball. And they're like, well, we'll buy you seven pairs of home and away shoes if you switch because that's even probably about the same price as all the goalie gear. So um, no. And I I think just because of that and and us not really knowing the process, like um, it really didn't, you know, as a family, our values didn't line up with, you know, not going to school. And I think that was kind of the big thing that we were thinking of is, is, you know what, like, you know, we don't, we don't see many kids from, from green Bay going on to play pro. And at the time it was, Hey, let's get our, let's go somewhere that I can get my degree and get the schooling. And then if it works out, kind of go from there. And I think that's, that's kind of the big, the big decision for us was just, you know, it was, there was too many unknowns behind the other path. Um, And I just, I just valued kind of education over that at the time. So.
0: Yeah, and you had a successful time at Bowling Green, too. You know, you're speaking about uh, how important education is in your family and to yourself personally, because you made that all-academic team in 2015, 2016, and um, also the first all-star team, too, during that same season. Um, So talk to me not only about that year, but just those few years that you were um, at university and just how that kind of helped prep you going into pro as we begin to talk about that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, t- I think time management is, is a huge factor of college, right? Like being a collegiate athlete is, 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 tough in the sense of, you know, I, I, I do think that we had probably one of the best schedules in, in uh, college hockey. I mean, I guess biasly, cause I, I love my time at school, but uh, we would have our practice and workout in the morning and then all of our classes were scheduled after 1130. So we'd have hockey done by 1130 and then you just had to focus on school Um but I, I think what what got you prepared for that is just is just the grind of like having things to do, right? And like always occupying your time, and whether it's school, whether it's eating right, whether it's the hockey side of things and the traveling. And um, I just think the way that you know college is set up in that aspect of of you have to be kind of a, a a true pro, not not just on the ice, but you have to be a true pro off the ice. And I think you know that's that's where the standards were held when I was at school, and that's kind of what helped as, as, a my time went on there for sure. Did you have a
0: goaltending coach at all in the USHL or in college?
1: Yeah. So I actually in, in USHL, I had Kelly G. Um, I think he's still doing some stuff now. And then on, on top of that, like my coach actually knew my goalie coach from back home. Um, so it was kind of a two pronged approach there and with Larry Clemens, um, but then Kelly was there with me every day um, at practice. My 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 years at with the steel, and then uh, at school, our our hockey our hockey ops guy kind of did some video stuff. Obviously, <laughs> with uh, with the whole rules behind college, like it was pretty. At that time, it was pretty weird with with goalie coaches. Like they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't they could only push pucks, and they had to be volunteer if they if they were coaching. So our guy, you know, obviously. We did some video, but um, he gave us some stuff, and we did it kind of on our own as a as a unit um, with with some shooters and different things like that. Um, and that was Jimmy Sprad, who's actually uh, kind of one of the reasons as we kind of go along got me got me my opportunity here uh, that I'm doing right now in Green Bay. So cool,
0: yeah. So um, at the tail end of your junior year, I believe. Correct me if uh, the timeline's mistaken or if I'm saying anything correct, but you do end up signing your first pro contract and start right out the gate at the AHL, the Hartford Wolf Pack. We noticed on the show that that's been more of a common occurrence. When we first started seeing that with some of our guests that were uh, former players, um, that that was common, that at the tail end of whatever season, um, once they finished that NCAA season, they went into pro, immediately played a few games, got a taste of that. Um, What was the story behind you getting that first pro NHL deal? I mean, not the NHL deal, but a pro contract deal, um and did you end up finishing school or did you have to take out that year uh early
1: yeah so um at the at the end of the year actually at the end of my sophomore year I had some interest to sign as well um but I decided obviously one I wasn't mentally ready and two I wasn't physically ready um so at the end of my junior year I actually did sign with uh the Rangers uh who are the obviously the um NHL affiliate for for the Wolfpack so um it was kind of just the process of there's a couple teams interested in, and at the time that's my advisors and myself thought that kind of gave me the best opportunity um, to kind of be in the AHL for the following year. And uh, what, what usually happens, and, and obviously there's different situations with how far your team goes at, at the end of your college, at the end of that college year. Um, but if you're not in the, in the tournament, a lot of teams now kind of use that as like, not, not a, not a first glance, but, just a little bit of a, of a learning curve thing where, you know, they bring you in, they, they give you a couple games, kind of, kind of let you see what it's all about. And then, um, whether they're in playoffs or not, depending on what that team wants to do, it's just kind of a way to, to give you some experience without, without really having to kind of sell the farm on, on a full year of the contract. So, I was able to go and, and sign a kind of a, a tryout uh, deal for that season and um, just kind of see what it was all about, um, seeing kind of the process behind what, the, what their daily routine is. And um, and then I was able once they were in playoffs that year. So once, you know, this, the regular season was over, I went back to school, uh, finished out that semester. Unfortunately, a couple of the teachers uh, wouldn't didn't like that, uh, that I kind of was going to be gone for three and a half weeks. But a majority of them, Uh, worked with me and um yeah so then I I, you know for the next couple years I um I ended up transferring to UWGB just because of um one in-state tuition and and two uh, they just had the everything could be online um the only the only problem with trying to finish back at BG was I was gonna have to be in person um and it was just a it was just too far of a distance and the, the no online part was, was the hard part. So, but I, I ended up getting my degree, um, through that through UWGB back near my house. Uh, um, and actually I walked I think, two years ago. So ended up being like an eight, eight, eight year college career, but I finally got a uh, got degree. So, um, no matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So during that, uh, first little period of being pro, those first four games, uh, what 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 stood out to you the most about the pro life? Was there anything about the pro life specifically before we get into the game? Because I do want to ask the the differences with the game, immediately. But what about the pro life in in general? Like you were just talking about the the routine and everything.
1: Yeah, I think the I think the biggest thing was just like how much time you actually have, um, and that I mean- yeah, like how much time you actually have. Like it's you know you're there at the rink if if you really want to be till like one. Um, And I think that's where that time management piece for me came in. Was like, what do you do with the rest of it? And I think it's like, I think as I got older, I realized like having having things that you are passionate about outside of hockey, uh, like kind of really help in your and just in the mental side of things. Like, because if if you go home, you're not able to to kind of separate that the game and 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 like kind of the outside world um, it can get, it can get daunting. And I think, you know, you can take steps back in the mental side of, of the game is because of it. And I think, you know, the, the outside, like just time, I think no one, you know, I guess you don't really realize how much, how much time you actually have, like you're at the ring for three, three-ish hours, four hours a day. And, you know, that's, that leaves a lot of time if you're not on the road, um, to just kind of do whatever you want. So.
0: So, what about the game aspect of it? I mean, obviously, the NCAA is very fast-paced. You have very talented players. Man, you know, are playing against you know the grown men, as as we like to say, and guys have to feed their family. So, there's a little bit more of an edge to the game being played—bigger, more physical. Um, anything that stood out in that aspect?
1: Yeah, I think I think the the thing that I, I noticed as as kind of my career went on and and the first jump I made, obviously from college to to the AHL, is just. Is just how much cleaner things are, right? Like so, when I made that jump to the A, like everything happened that was supposed to happen. Um, passes were were they were exactly where they want them to be, uh, more often than not. Shots went more often than not where they wanted to be, um, and that's what caused the game to be to just be higher higher pace. I think the pace was just was just different in the sense that there was less mistakes. I think there was less puck. Blowing up on people's sticks. There's less than that. There's less, you know, um, bad positioning, and I think that's kind of the difference uh, that I saw, at least in in the AHL from my or from my jump from college. Was, you know, there's there's just everyone's just a little bit more detailed in in the process that happens in the, within the game, um, whether it's passing, whether it's shooting, whether it's stick positioning, or or even just back checking different things like that. So what about on
0: a technical standpoint as a goalie? Obviously, you have systems, and you're at the AHL level, so you're right below the NHL level. You even have that NHL system kind of feeding into the AHL system. So did you have to change anything on a goalie standpoint, the way that you played, if you played this certain side? I'm not even trying to say, like, the butterfly or anything. Whatever technical aspect, did you have to change anything? Because I'm sure that they had a whole thing set up for you, I would assume, Right.
1: Yeah, so I, I think the biggest thing is just like is, and I think this is something that gets overlooked at times, and and you wonder why. Like sometimes you see in the NHL a goalie go from a team where he's has like a nine thirty save percentage, and then you know he gets a bigger deal somewhere else, and all of a sudden he's struggling. Is you know there's certain there's certain ways goalies play that fit different systems better, right? I think you know like if if you have a super athletic goalie that is super good at moving laterally and he can kind of be explosive in that sense. Like he's going to do a lot better in a game where it is a track meet, where it is a little bit more like up and down the ice, quick plays. And if you have a goalie that's more positionally sound and that can kind of isn't necessarily the greatest skater, but he is always in the right spots. You kind of look at, you know, like Vegas is a good example when, when, or even Boston and there's B zone like, they pack it in five on a die and, and they very rarely give up big time chances, but they ask their goalies to make a lot of saves where they just have to be positionally sound. And I think, you know, that's I think that's the one thing that I realized kind of in in that sense is just like understanding what system you're a part of and and how you kind of have to make sure that if you're not great laterally, that you gotta make sure that you're working on getting better at that, or if you're not good at p- the positioning side of things, you're just being patient and kind of letting pucks hit you that you kind of have to go through the process of kind of figuring that out. So.
0: So obviously one of the main things that we like to do here on this podcast, we have guests like yourself on um, Chris, is that not only getting a behind the scenes look of what it's like being a pro athlete, but obviously being a pro hockey player. Um, and obviously you, you went through the gauntlet and everything you paid your dues and you had a, a, a good successful career too. But one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, in the AHL and ECHL level, um, a lot of players, they move around quite a bit. You moved around quite a bit that 2019, 2020 year, I believe it was four teams. I don't even know if you played on one of them. I forgot which team it was. I didn't say you registered a game, but what is that like as a pro to try and balance not only like the moving part? Cause maybe like some people are like, well, I don't care about moving. I got a small suitcase and can adapt. But what about like you're having to constantly adapt to a new team, right? A new system, a new, goaltending coach if you have them at the echl level as well um specific team so kind of what did what was going through your mind going through that and how did you handle it basically
1: yeah i mean there's definitely there's definitely some times i remember that year actually uh, i was driving to the team that i was supposed to play for at the beginning of the year and and it was i got a call from a buddy that i knew that was playing on that team when i was in like an hour and a half out and he's like, dude, I think they just signed another goalie. And then again, I was like, no way. And sure enough, like we got, we they had gotten a, a goal, another goalie, uh, assigned down to to Greenville. And at that time I was the only coast goalie. So looking at the depth chart, there's, you know, a couple guys that are on AHL, NHL deals. And then there's yeah. me, and there's four goalies. I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. And you know, that year was tough. Like I started off thinking like there's no chance I'm even going to get a game here. And, um, ended up playing two games, played well one, played just average the other. And at the, at the time, there just there was no room. And so I I, I got cut, um, got a call, of course. This is how, of course, it goes, right? So I was kind of just sitting there waiting I'm on day two, just trying to figure out where I was going to go. And I started driving to, uh, wasn't too far from Nashville. So I was just going to start heading home. But um, my cousin at the time had lived in Nashville. Uh, I get an hour into the trip that way and I get a call from uh, Anirondack up in the North division. Uh, so upstate New York. And uh, they're like, Hey, can you be here by tomorrow? And I was like, Oh, I'll I'll try. So uh, I turned the, car, turned the car around, drove up 20 hours up to Anirondack. Uh, kind of stayed there for, for about, um, I think it was about two and a half, three weeks. Uh, same thing happened though. Like there's just a stockpile of employees at the wrong time. Guy got healthy and, we sent a guy down and uh, kind of get there, get there for like a. I think it was a Wednesday. Wednesday, like just kind of. I think we played Tuesday and we we're playing again Friday, and it was just kind of an optional skate on, on a Wednesday or something like that. Um, it was either Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, the coach comes up to me on the ice. He's like, "Hey, uh, are, are you, This is this is the wild. Are you okay if we trade you to Florida?" I'm like, "Well, what do you mean? Am I okay?" Like. <laughs> <laughs> do I have a choice here? <laughs> right. And I was like, sure. And uh, that's probably the team that um, you'd saw that I didn't register a game. So they they did the same thing. This is the Thursday and they're like, Hey, can you get here for Friday? And uh, at the time it was uh, one o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon in, in, in Irondacks. So I had to drive back to the apartment, pack up and go 22 hours down South again. And Uh, got there and you know it was it it, like during that drive it's kind of like you know what what am I doing like I haven't I think at that point of the season I've played about four or five games and we're almost to Christmas Um, and it's it's a grind and I think that's that's kind of as I go through the rest of this story like that's kind of the process that people don't realize like you know there's there's all the glam and the glitz behind pro sports and like especially you see like Otani signed for 700 million, but then you don't see, you don't see the minor league baseball players. Like you don't see the stories that are coming there. And like, you know, un- luckily like we have a union, so we have good health insurance and we have free housing and different things like that. And, 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 uh, you know, the, the, pay for what, for what you, what you get is, is fair, is fairly priced for the grind that you're going through. But I think the differences is, is like, people think like, Oh, you know, East coast hockey league or the AHL, like it's, you know, you you have some stability while in the coast, your stability is nothing. Like those, (laughs) those contracts might as well be written on toilet paper. And, and realistically, (laughs) like the the AHL is, you know, only a year or two, if you're not, if you're not on an NHL deal. And the crazy part is now with the salary cap going up, like you see more and more NHL contracts. So like those leagues are are even more dominated by just NHL contracts. So like, the kind of the minor league hockey player is, is slowly, the numbers for that are slowly dwindling. But, um, yeah. So then I get down there and, you know, the goalie partner down there is Ken Appleby, like pretty, pretty decent goalie, like pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I think, you know, you look, he look, he had like five games in the NHL and 940 somehow never got a chance, but, um, they really liked him down there. And, you know, I, they, that was the one team that actually had a goalie coach at the time down in the East coast hockey league. And we were just, we were just practicing. We were going pretty hard every day. And I'm just like, I'm the rink after three weeks, haven't played a game yet down there. And I'm just like, well, what what do I need to do? And he's, and that's kind of the worst thing too is like the communication that you receive sometimes. is just like, Oh, you're right there. You're right there. Like, Oh, you just need to, you know, I, I remember some of the stuff, I remember one of my first years in, in the A I got sent down and they said well we're doing it to to boost your confidence. I'm like well this seems like a roundabout way to boost confidence. Uh appreciate it. It's just like the came sometimes the communication is like you, know, you just don't know unless you kind of have a little bit of an edge to you but there's a fine line of you know are you going to ruffle some feathers by by really pushing. Um yeah but then you know I I go home our last game before Christmas break the coach called me in and He's like, well, we're gonna release you, uh, but we're gonna wait, we're gonna be nice about it and wait till you get back from Christmas break. So I was like, Oh, well, thanks, I guess. Uh so I go home for Christmas break, I get my flights all set up and I'm at home and on the I think it was like the twenty fifth or something, uh, I get a call like, Hey, you're getting traded to to Atlanta. I'm like, I'm like, Well, isn't it the Christmas break? Like, he's like, Yeah, well, we're just kind of giving you a heads up so that you can get there and then you can start playing games. So I didn't technically get traded until the 26th, but I had to change my flight. I flew down uh, to, to Fort Myers, packed up my apartment on the, on Christmas drove up to uh, um, Atlanta. And then the funny, funny enough, I I played the first game back after Christmas. Uh, They got, they got sent to Guy um from charlotte he got hurt the next night and i proceeded after that game to play i think 16 or 17 straight games without (laughs) without without a break so it's it's crazy how that league goes and then obviously when that happens like i'm coming back from break i'm kind of questioning everything and then um start playing a bunch of games and kind of get right back into the rhythm of it but um the hardest part in those leagues is just like it's almost worse sometimes there because you could be playing really good hockey in the coast or the A and, and it doesn't matter because there's somebody on an NHL deal that just needs to play. Um, And I think that's, that's something that, you know, obviously if you're playing well enough, it doesn't matter at a certain point, but um, for goaltending, it's, it's tough because I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, you know, the good goaltenders, it it, it's, it's, it's run based. Right. So like you, you start to get in a groove and you start feeling it. And then all of a sudden you, you take three weeks off because, you know, someone else has to play. And, um, I think that's part of the, the mental grind of of the professional, you know, professional hockey world is like, sometimes you could be doing everything right. And you could be doing everything perfect. Um, but you're just not, it's not the right opportunity. And then you just got to wait for that right opportunity.
0: Well, it's interesting that you're talking about all this in in the time period as well, because it kind of goes in lieu with my next question. We've been asking a lot of players, coaches, uh, you know, coaching personnel of any of the leagues that went through the COVID times when it all shut down. um, The, you know, you guys have no idea when sports is coming back up. There's no future inside. I mean, everybody can relate to this. So with all that being said, you start to get into a groove, you're playing all these games, then COVID hits. Where were you? How did you get the news saying, "Hey, the league's canceled"? Done. I bet now, really going through your mind, you're like, "Dude, this must be meant to be." But you didn't retire yet. But what was kind of going through your mind now? And did yeah, you go back. So home it, was, it, was,
1: it was actually this this story. It was that year. Um, so I, I go on play a bunch of games in Atlanta, uh, and the coach had actually told me they were gonna they were gonna bring me back the the following year. Um, and then a week after that conversation, uh, I get a call saying. I'm getting released uh what? yeah and uh so I'm just sitting there and I get a call uh go on waivers and it's actually Greenville so the team I had I had started that season off with uh called and, and they needed goalies uh because they got r- ripped apart by call-ups and different things like that and so I actually started my drive over to Greenville from Atlanta um and this is kind of when the news was coming out that everything might get shut down um and I got there and funny enough we were about to play Atlanta for like three three straight games so I was actually lo- kind of really looking forward to it um but yeah then it got shut down and and uh kind of went home and it was weird uh I was doing just a lot of at home stuff and we were just kind of all waiting to see what was going to happen and um what was nice was like that they had that east coast like the minor league kind of fun to come out and we were getting some, some checks, obviously not a whole lot of money, but enough, uh, during that time to, to, to make, uh, to make some, some real impact. And, um, yeah. So I was just kind of waiting and kind of found out that we were going to start a little bit later. And, um, I actually, you know, went to, went to Allen, got cut. Uh, and after the year before I was like, you know what, this is, this is kind of done. Um, uh, I was going to kind of take a job somewhere, uh, AAA and, just kind of started goalie coaching stuff, And um, funny enough, I was just sitting at home. My gear was in Madison and my goalie coaches uh, rank. Cause I just went home to take a little break and um, got a call from my agent. I was just like, what, what is this guy calling about? Like, what, what could this possibly be? I, I'd already told him I was kind of retired. And uh, he's like, Hey, do you want to go to Tucson? I'm like, like the AHL Tucson. He's like, yeah. He's like, you want to go uh, on a PTO? And I was like, if they want to bring me in on PTO, sure. And I, I told him, I'm like, Hey, but, uh, I need to, I need to get my gear, um, Madison. So can they get a flight from Madison tomorrow? Cause he's like, well, they want to fly you in tomorrow. I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. He's like, and funny enough the the weekend before I'd gone on a golf trip, um, to Scottsdale, um, with one of my buddies, uh, just because like I was retired, we're like, yeah, let's do it. Um, And I thought I had had, I thought I got COVID. And so I took a COVID test and because I took that COVID test, I was able to actually fly into Tucson um, because I had my test results of negative. Otherwise, I I don't know what the process would have been for that. I might not have been able to go. Um, Yeah. But I get to Tucson, I pack literally one week of clothes and one suit and my gear. And next thing I know, like I'm, I'm out of shape. I'm overweight. Like I'm not in playing conditions and i don't think they knew that at the time but um i get there and i just i just battle and i i compete and i kind of get back to the grind to work it out and playing and uh they had an injury and our guy got called up right before our preseason games that year and me and the other guy had to play the preseason games because the the guy that they were signing as their two wasn't there yet so it was just two P, two pto goalies and um the first game he got pulled, I went in, didn't give up any. And then I won the next game. I think it was like three, two or two, one or something like that. And um, they kind of were like, okay, well, he's going to be our third for the year. And I ended up losing like 25 pounds, like got back into shape and I uh, ended up playing seven games that year. So it was, it was a pretty wild year. And uh, that's kind of what pushed me to, to, to kind of transfer to UWG and finish my last year in the coast, uh, just finishing my contract and, Or my, sorry, my schooling and um, kind of finish it out on the coast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you finished it out too, um, you made no hesitations. You went right into coaching, um, like we had mentioned in the intro. So how did you get the opportunity? You kind of were speaking about that earlier. And was coaching part of the the path this whole time? Or was it something like this just came up and I needed something to figure out what to do after playing? Or seems like you always had a path, Chris. You always had, you always knew what you're going to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I, I give all credit to my, my goalie coach Larry Clemens, like through the, through the hockey, hockey path. I think the only thing that we both kind of said uh, when we sat down and had our, like our, uh, our, talk about my career, when I finally just, when I finally did call it um, the only thing that we, you know, we, we had, we had steps for everything. And I think we hit a majority of them. Uh, the only thing that we wish kind of looking back and no regrets on it at all, but just, uh, that like what happens after you get to pro and and i think that was the only thing we th- we were kind of sh- just short of and and to no one's no one's fault but ourselves and you know a kid from green bay who would have thought um especially in the goaltending world but no so i i knew kind of my, my whole life has been you know hockey and I, and I, and i have a pretty good passion for hockey and and i like helping and i like helping kids and um just helping people find kind of that next level to their game. And um so when I was done, I, I kind of just wanted to start at least start doing stuff in Green Bay, whether whether it just you know after after I get a job and and um just whenever I can or if it was gonna be full time. Um and I took a kind of a part time sales gig that was very much not uh just commission based. So it was very uh very informal but you know, I love the cause of what it was but um, things started to heat up with, with my goal coaching stuff. I, I got the chance to work with a bunch of the high school teams in green Bay, um, a youth organization. And I had people that were reaching out for different things like that. And, um, then someone I had met through St. Norbert, um, obviously St. Norbert was probably like 10 minutes away from my house and a bunch of my buddies that I grew up playing hockey with ended up going there. Um, so I got in touch with, uh, Clay Van Deist, who's, uh, the head coach at Marion right now and yeah, we just had him on yes yeah so, yeah, so yeah. he yeah I, I know him just through mutual acquaintances and hanging out together so he kind of reached out and said hey are you like doing stuff would you be willing to do it for us and um so at my first year after playing that's kind of what I did was I, I helped them um the men's and women's team at Marion and uh, a bunch of high schools in the in the local area and um did some private stuff and then this last summer, I, I started just a high just a high school camp um, in the area, and now I'm I'm starting to get more and more um, kind of interest in doing in doing more like more age groups in that sense, and and then kind of leading into last summer was um, my goalie coach from college, Jimmy Spratt, was um, the assistant slash goalie guy for Green Bay for the Green Bay Gamblers the the year before this. Um, and we, we had gone out to dinner and we had hung out a couple of times, um, just throughout the year. And I went out there as a volunteer guy, just to kind of see, um, what it's all about and, and just going kind to of be around it again. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he came up to me and he was like, Hey, I think I'm going to have an opportunity to go to college. Like, would you be interested in doing that full time? And I was like a hundred percent, like it kind of just made the most sense. And, um, yeah, so like, that's kind of where that, that kind of started and, um, I was lucky enough to go to the kind of the USA uh, goalie summit they do every year, or I think they had taken a year off, but the national goalie summit where they bring a bunch of guy, a uh, bunch of goalie coaches from all over the the country and and kind of see where youth goalie development is at. And um, I met Steve Thompson, who's an unbelievable guy, and um, he he kind of got me in contact with Des Moines as well. And so I was going through the interviewing process with both both of those teams and the end of the day like being from green bay um being able to just live at home and and kind of help the the team that i grew up going to games and you know i watched them win a couple clark cups when i was when i was going through high school and different things like that and it just made too much sense not to not to just stay at home and kind of start building you know um help for goalies in in the green bay area and and obviously hopefully help uh you know the gamblers, you know, develop and and hopefully bring home a, another Clark Cup. So,
0: so what what is the future going to look like? Do you have coaching plans? Do you now have a path that you want to take, or are you just kind of letting life take its course and seeing where wherever you land? I guess.
1: Yeah, and I think I think I think this the coaching side of it too is like I'm still learning a whole bot a whole bunch about the process of this and you know the details of of the little details behind the scenes, and I think it's been been really cool to see see this side of it obviously going through it on the other side um it's been cool to just kind of take it all in little by little and um this is the first time I think in in hockey where I'm just letting you know next year just kind (laughs) of let it be there and just kind of figure out what's happening here and um I think I'm 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 building it in in a couple different ways like obviously I want to want to be the best coach I can be, whether it's goalies or, you know, an assistant and just seeing which, which route is, is best for me and which route I love more. And, um, and then on the other side of things, just growing out of business to help, you know, go younger goalies and not only become better, better hockey players, but better people. And I think that's kind of the side of things that I'm, I'm super excited about. Um, and just the green Bay areas, there, there hasn't been, you know, I, I don't think very consistent goal-tending coaching, um, in the area. And I, and that's kind of what I, I want to bring to the place that I grew up in, the place that I ended up making a career out of it from. And I think that's, that's the side of the things that's one that, that, that side, I'm more, i more have a plan. I'm just starting to build out, you know, try to build out affordable um, coaching in a sense of, you know, to get more people, more goalies, um in love with the position like I did and, and kind of find, the life lessons that go along with it not just you know just the, the hockey lessons but just the life lessons of of adversity and in goaltending and I think that's a position that you can you can definitely learn a lot of life lessons on and that's that's the two sides I'm doing right now is I'm I'm trying to be a sponge this year as kind of the fourth assistant slash goalie coach with the gamblers and i um, just learning anything and everything I can and um on that side of it. And then on the other side is just trying to start to start to get, you know, younger kids more excited about goalie practice and more excited about putting the pads on and just more excited about, you know, their development and, and and becoming better people and better.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, Chris, the way we like to close out the show, um, is with some lightning round questions. They're fun questions kind of makes you think, uh, maybe a little bit of humor twisted in with it, but, uh, they're kind of popcorn style questions. If you have a quick little thing to say, great. One quick answer. If you have a story to tell the floor is yours, but we'll start with the first one who is, was the toughest uh, score that you ever faced. Who is the best that, that just you did not want to see coming down in that
1: rush. I'll say uh, Kyle Connor when he was on um, Youngstown uh, in the USHL, that was, that was always a pretty, pretty tough one. I would say so. (laughs) So you see all the goalie stuff that goes viral,
0: you know, them doing the weird warm-up things, all these things. Obviously, you guys have have got that stigma of being slightly different breed of human beings, right? Did you have any weird goalie pregame superstitions or any warm-ups that you did that people would be like, what
1: is he doing? You know, I I think, and and obviously this is just me, and, you know, you have to ask some of my teammates that I've played with throughout the years, but I I felt like I was pretty normal. Like I I mean, I would – I would just put my skates on left to right, but I feel like that was just more like a routine, not superstition. Um, but I mean, other than that, like I would just, I'd kind of go through the same stretching stuff and different things like that. Um, I guess the biggest ones I had would, I'd always do the same skating to kind of start games or start periods. And then I would always go, the only way I'd go out of my crease during a game would be to my blocker side and touch the boards and come back. But other than that, I, I, I didn't really have that many Crazy superstitions, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately.
0: Uh, so what we we like to take a, a poll uh, of this these next two questions. Um, first one is which arena had the worst ice conditions you ever played on? And this is strictly pro, so ECHL AHL. What which had the worst ice conditions?
1: I would say, um, in Florida, so the ever the Everblades. Uh, it was like ice, and then locker room was just the worst, like. Cause it was just so humid in there like it was it was humid the ice got got destroyed that was probably one of the one of the worst and then I would say Orlando too was pretty bad yeah um, just it just depended what what day you got them like if they were switching over from the magic game like it it was it got pretty bad and I mean that's just the and that's the South division in general like depending on what time of the year you're playing like <laughs> some of the ice in that division might be pretty tough.
0: It, well, that kind of goes into my next question. So, which one had the worst locker room? The worst
1: visiting locker rooms. Worst visiting locker rooms. I would say. Oh, I'm trying to think. It might be Adirondack and I, I played there. I played against them a little bit when I was with Maine. Um,
0: We've heard that one quite a bit too,
1: and and yeah, because that's just an older rink. It's <laughs> it's cold cool. in there. Uh, They've done some renovations, and they're, and they're making it nice. But, I mean, it is a crazy atmosphere in that bank, bank. but I would say probably probably that's got to be up there for one of the worst ones.
0: Who was the toughest player to that you had to play against in front of the net? Was there any rats ever in your career, anybody that just loved to kind of get in front of your screen, you kind of push you around, anybody that you just hated that was out there?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. For some reason, all my memories right now are going back to the USHL. Uh, Mason Jobs, um, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but in the USHL, he just seemed like he, every time we played Muskegon, it always seemed like he was on top of me or giving me a little slash. And actually, you know what? I think I that came to my mind because I was talking to somebody about it because I remembered a, a game where I just had to enough at one point where he did it, and I and I tried chasing him down around the net. Um yeah. I mean I I I loved like looking back, I loved how he played. It was just at the time I was definitely one of those where I was like, can this guy just get away from me? Personally? Yeah.
0: What was uh what was the rowdiest fan base you played for? And this could be anywhere, NCAA, U S H L. What was the rowdiest fan base? Or the best one, I guess. Even <laughs> if it was away, it doesn't have to be a home home one, just like one of the best crowds you'd always play for.
1: Yeah. Um I'm trying to remember. I would say, I mean, some of the rowdiest. Like, I, I think, I think you can pretty much go, really any East Coast hockey league, like place. Yeah. Um, now there, and there might not be that many people there at, every night, um, but like Anirondack, those fans are nuts. Um, Florida's fans actually, funny enough, and down in um, Fort Myers, like they get pretty rowdy down there. That they, they were usually a fun crowd. We're based
0: here in uh, Tulsa. Did you have too many memories here um, at the BOK Center in,
1: in Tulsa? So no, the only time I ever played there was actually I think I think I played there twice, um, and, it, and we it was just a we flew in um, when we were with Greenville, and um, it wasn't a whole lot. But I, I will say the funnest crowd I've ever played in front of was um, in Hershey. Um, Hershey, and it yeah. was like a random middle of the middle of the season game and oh. there was like 10,000 wow. and it was, it was unreal. Um that was one of the cooler experiences of kind of my AHL playing career was to play in, in front of that um that crowd.
0: What was the most embarrassing thing to happen to you during game or warm up? Just a, a embarrassing thing like your uh, teammate
1: warm up. Team. Uh, actually funny like I this is like one of the craziest things was uh, my junior year in the WCSA championship game. Uh, we were playing in Tech um so winner goes to the tournament and uh we were skating around obviously when we got out there and I was turning and one of my guys didn't see me and I didn't see him and like I got hit fell over um like fell like all like I'm like on my back and then later in the warm-up I was coming on my net same thing guy just was coming too fast. And as I was coming out, he was just going the wrong path. I didn't fall over on that one. So I got hit twice in warmups, um, in the WCHA championship game to like go to the national tournament. And I'm going back in the locker room. I'm like, just kind of laughing to myself. I'm like, well, this is either going to go one of two ways. We're going to, it's going to be a really close game and play well, or it's going to be really bad early. And we ended up going all the way to overtime, but, um, no, yeah. So that was one of the the kind of funnier things that that's ever happened to me in warmups.
0: Well, we'd like to wrap it up with what has been the most fond memory of your hockey career so far. I'm sure you're gonna have a lot in your coaching career as well.
1: Yeah, I, I I think, and it's it's kind of weird, but I think it's just been the memories that I've made, almost outside the rink, like just being able to like just the teammates and and the the travel with all with my family when I was a kid, like just the, the time away with them and and different things like that. I think the, all those memories of of just meeting new people and like the the experiences of of meeting such genuine people and and such good people of is kind of like the the thing that is, will be everlasting. And I think the one thing for the hockey side of it would be, um, you know, the one period I got in uh, in the NHL preseason game with the Rangers, and we were playing uh at um we we're playing the Islanders in uh, Bridgeport in their AHL rink and. Um, I actually stopped, uh, always saying and a breakaway in the third and, um, it was a majority Rangers fans just because of, you know, where we were. And, uh, that was, that was probably one of my, the cool, one of the coolest moments I think in my career for sure.
0: Well, Chris, I appreciate you again for, for joining the show. Um, we'd love to keep up with you and your coaching career and and have you back on too, man. You're young and and, and you're going to have a, a lot going on in, in your career and your life. So, um keep up to date with us. Officially on air. I'll say goodbye off here, but officially on air and with all the fans listening. Thank you
1: for joining us today, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, and
0: Chris just left. So, um appreciate everybody tuning in. Won't take up uh much more of your time. Um we appreciate everybody uh always supporting us. Again, we're um Glad to have on uh, more and more special guests coming up. So be sure to stay tuned. Follow us everywhere. Don't forget our our website is all updated. Check all that out. And uh, go Bruins. Thank you all.